Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Slava be Jesus. Please be seated. So, myself and Brother Sam had just returned from the annual priest retreat. And we had a wonderful speaker. He's an old monk. And uh, he spent most of his life in thereabouts, Bethlehem. And uh, lands where our Lord and our apostles came from. And his topic was the Psalter. And he only talked about it, because the salt is a big topic, and he only talked about it, about the Messianic, about four or five of the Messianic Psalms. And uh, I'm choosing to talk about his talks. Because it says, the Gospel today, one of the Gospels, one was for the Sunday, one for the same of the day, the Apostle James. And I talked, I think, talked about um, this text, what has been hidden from the wise, has been revealed to the humble and to children. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope that all of us are children of God, and to be a child of God is to be like Jesus Christ. Um, in his exegesis of the Psalms, he started in Hebrew, read them to us in Hebrew, then he referred to some things in Greek. But then he gave us his own rendition of the translation of the Psalms he was speaking to us about. And he prefaced his remarks by saying, you know, Hebrew is not an uh, accurate language. One word can do many things because of the context. It says we in the Western world think every man has a every word has a particular meaning. We have to stick by that. This is many times, in, especially in Scripture, he said the words are not so definite, especially in the Psalter. He said, well, "How do you find out the definition of words in Scripture?" Well, look somewhere else in Scripture where that word is used, and then, or maybe a couple of places, and that'll give you a hint of how it was used in the Psalter. Now, the Psalter is the oldest revelation we have of the mind of God. And in the New Testament, they often have titles on these psalms, but not in the Psalter. And uh, 
It's remarkable because there's everything in there, prophecy, fulfillment, the coming, the Messiah, all sorts of things that, of course, the people, that, the prophets and mystics that gave us the Psalter uh, didn't know all that things would happen, but they read the Psalter, and it should have been sort of a mystery to them, but he gave them a hint to what was coming in the New Testament. So I always look at the New Testament as a commentary on the Old Testament. Because all through it, it quotes from the Psalter and Isaiah and other prophets and which have been fulfilled in our in, in the incarnation of the coming of the Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without a doubt, <laughs> if you heard him speak, you would know and be overjoyed to find out who Christ was. It was just a magnificent, it was thrilling material to hear. This presentation was a little difficult, but all the priests there agreed it's one of the finest retreats we've ever had. Magnificent. And we come to a new, a new appreciation of the salt. And now the monks in the monastery here, we read the Psalter every day and completely in a week, sometimes twice in a week, in Lent, uh, every day. I mean, we, we, and we do the Psalter twice to the, each week for Lent, but sometimes, for no reason whatsoever, we have a more reading of the Psalter. And uh, our fathers who gave us our prayer book um, they prayed the Psalter. The proffers that we have, like Vespers and all those things, came from the cathedral liturgy. But the Desert Fathers and the monks in the desert, they prayed the Psalter. So it came up in the discussion, did they do the same, uh, read the Psalter the same way we do? Well, apparently not. And I've read this before, different parts of Egypt and in the Holy Land, things like that. They had different systems of reading the Psalter. But you know, uh, if you're familiar with liturgical texts like the Eucharist or uh, other texts that we use in the liturgy, they're pretty well uh, adaptations or direct quotations from the Psalter. So sometimes, if you uh, ever get a chance to look at the priest prayer book that he uses in the liturgy, it gives all in the in the back or on the sides. It gives all the references to the Old Testament uh, and knew where these words to be found. So we're pretty dominated by the Word of God. The Word of God ultimately was His Son. The Word of God was ultimately in the Gospel sayings of Jesus, the Synoptic Gospels, uh, taught us what he wanted to know about the Father. And of course, the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate Gospel, as far as I'm concerned, is John's Gospel. And the age teaches in John of our beautiful relationship with the Holy Trinity. So, 
in your pondering, in your prayer, you spend a lot of time with the scripture. Uh, I did ask him about uh, one question about Hezekiah. He sort of indirectly answered that because he's not too familiar with Hezekiah. It's the spirituality of Byzantine monks. And uh, to understand these texts, one must understand the history of the church and where it came from. And who are these people that redacted this information that we have in the New Testament? A lot of that is would be learned from the Old Testament. Many Christian groups, so-called Christian groups, do not even read the Old Testament. And others are very taken up with the New Testament because our Lord's life is there, so not really his whole life, but references to it. And uh, we do not have a biography of Jesus Christ's life. We have the memoirs of the fathers of the church, and they deal with that. And of course, they're the same people that put together the New Testament. And so, some of the things that we know are not necessarily in the New Testament, but they're in the teachings of the Father, especially these great fathers, the three great ones over there. Gregory Nazianzen, and Gregory Nisa, Gregory Theologian, Basil the Great should be there. I have three of them there. These people uh, pounded out what they had received in the Apostolic Church, and they wrote a lot of that down. So if we ignore that in our formation, then we lose a lot of understanding the meaning of our Christianity, the context of our Christianity. Unfortunately, especially in the West, we had the Renaissance. Renaissance took God from the center of reality and made man there. And that resulted in every man becoming his own interpreter of scripture. That, that's a problem. We should turn these old resources, find out what the early church taught, and live by that. Now, he didn't go too much into that, but he did go into the a little bit about the relationship of the father and the son. And I like certain things I've told you before. You know, we are the children of God. And God in himself, the Father, is not known to us. But he knows you. And in his mind, you've been there from all eternity. Everything we have has been there from all eternity. God does not change. He's the same. But it came to us when he wanted to let him, us know about his love. And he sent his son in the human nature. And he spent a lot of time on, uh, well, sometime on the book of Genesis. I can't go over all this. And uh, 
the garden and the tree of life. The angels. Angels are very important. The messages that come from God. Angelos in Greek means messenger. It was what impressed me the most was this man's love for Christ as the ultimate word of God in whose image we have been made. Can you imagine that? Unfortunately, due to our arrogance and the rebellion of the angels, we have original sin. Let me talk about what that means. In perfection you were created with a sinless body. Perfected in divine grace, like the sun. And because of the fall, we are fallen now. We no longer have those perfections. But the sun came into the world to improve our condition, to bring it back to what he is. Of course, he's the presence, he's the third person, the second person in the Trinity. But we are, the whole deal is that we are to participate. So what Christ is by nature, we may become by grace. That's what our life on the earth is about. Making choices with our free will that cooperate with the divine plan. In the Trinity has a principle called circumcision. So that grace that comes to you, the Father say, comes from the Father through the Son and inspired, breathed on, breathed on you by the Holy Spirit. So you're being slowly incorporated into the life of God through the life of the divine energy. I sat there all during this, these presentations, and I listened. And I listened to the way he talked about the Lord and the Messianic Psalms and what he really means to us. Now, we know this. We taught this years ago in the Catechism and things like that. But you have to live the Catechism. So Paul tells us you have to have a circumcised heart. Now, what is a circumcised heart? So we asked about the heart. I did. So the heart, you have a human heart. Let's Let's say it has more than one chamber or an upper and lower heart. God comes and makes his presence in you. Your soul is there. His life-giving graces are there. And your heart becomes one with the heart of Christ. 
It's not a devotion to the heart of Christ. It's the presence of you in the love of the Holy Trinity. Matthew tells us what we have to do in the second chapter. So we have to keep the commandments and do good things. So the Christian has to love his neighbor. Literally. So that we can cooperate with the divine plan of the Holy Trinity. The high priest of the Holy Trinity is incarnate Jesus Christ. That's why we have sacraments. They're his gestures. I learned a lot. I enjoyed being with my brothers. But I have a new appreciation now from this man, this little monk, and the life of God within us and our environment in his life. Well, I took Sam with me to take care of me so I don't fall in some corner somewhere. And he was there too, and he took a lot of notes. I was busy listening. I took some notes on which psalms we looked at. The other thing he did was teach us how to interpret a psalm or exegete a psalm. The exegesis of the psalms about the Messiah it's contained in the psalm. But you have to know how to recognize it. So he showed us key ways with the psalms, the messianic psalms, that we could recognize that. Psalm 109, Psalm 110, 120, all those messianic psalms. He only gave four or five. I think it was five or something. We had five conferences. He went on, on and on and on and on. But his life has been a life of prayer, <coughs> receiving gifts of the Holy Spirit, and being incorporated into life and life-giving Trinity. I know, my dear brothers and sisters, you have to make a living, you have to do all these things. Um, but you must learn to spend time with God every day somewhere. So you form your heart. I often think in my own mind, I have a little holy picture. I'm going to have it pre-printed. I'm going to put the Magnificat cot on it on the back and where it comes from. And in this... Uh, picture of the Blessed Mother, it's most unusual, but she's like this. She's got her hands on her heart like this. And the infant is nowhere in the icon. But she knows where he is. She knows in her, in her heart I love that icon. It's a great teaching to know that. You are no different. But if you push away from yourself the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if 
you do not do good works, you do not love your neighbor, if you do not know your scriptures, you're missing, you're missing the boat. And I've been reading scriptures all my life, but I've always been terrific about it because it was always sort of an academic course in the seminary. You put all sorts of theories of how it came about and all this stuff. Forget that. What's the important thing as far as scriptures are going to speak to you with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your heart, the prayer of the heart. Now, I'm always discovering new things in the messages of scripture because I have a different point of view. And I was blocking some of these things out. It wasn't scientific scripture scholarship. It was I went back to the fathers and I learned to pray in my heart a little bit anyway. I get quiet with that. And then you go to read the scriptures. It's going to be a new revelation to you for your growth and your love of God and your salvation. So for me, I was like the infant in the gospel, the naive. And listening to him, I became informed. And Isaiah says, Suffer the little children to come to me. You must become that little child. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.